0: Today we're joined by Monica uh, Perez, who is the co-host of the Propaganda Report podcast. She was a radio host for eight and a half years on WSB Radio in Atlanta. And before that was an investment banker in New York and Texas. She's also a chartered financial analyst as well as a member of the Bar of the State of New York, she now resides in L.A., where in addition to podcasting, she experiences life as a wife, homemaker, and mother of three teens. That's quite, uh, quite a background. Uh, hello and welcome, Monica.
1: Hey, Moray. How are you?
0: I, I, I'm good. And yeah, that, that's just a fascinating background you have. And I've I've only discovered your work not too long ago. And it's it's great. Uh, the work you do at Propaganda Report. Friends of mine have been lauding it. Uh, they, they love Propaganda Report. They were the ones telling me you got to check out Monica Perez and Propaganda Report. And perhaps, you know, for people that are not aware, you know, could you tell us a bit about uh, your background, how you got into Propaganda Report and uh, about the podcast uh, and project itself.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for asking. I was never interested in broadcasting. Like you said, I was an investment banker and I do have kids and I would taken a break from investment banking and I wanted to maybe do some financial management stuff and I uh, was ready to go be a CFA or something. I actually did get the Licensed to be a CFA, and I happened to run into a radio producer. And I had just discovered anarcho-capitalism, I had just discovered Hans Hermann Hoppe. I was giving up on the American experiment. I was like, this is this idea of self-limiting government is clearly a utopian fantasy that we had done everything. I mean, it was an Enlightenment era project. They did the Articles of Confederation. That was good. And then it kind of went downhill after that. And I just thought there's just no way to create a central seat of power and not have it corrupted. And then I got into the stuff of Murray Rothbard and Hans-Hermann Hoppe. And my mind was on fire. And I and I was talking to this radio producer at a wedding I was at, and she just was blown away. She hadn't heard anything like this before. And I think it was extra cool coming out of the mouth of a chick. And so she asked me to do an on-air interview. And ever since then, I was on the radio. I lived in Atlanta at the time for eight and a half years. And the guys there was a family owned radio media thing. And it was definitely like it, it it wasn't like a mom and pop shop, but they were old school and they let me say what I wanted as long as I could separate opinion from fact and Make that clear to the listener, and do my research, and be responsible about what I was saying. And I mean, I would cover everything from the truth about the Boston Marathon bombing, um, and ultimately to the I was telling people about Event Two Hundred One. This was in February twenty twenty, and I said, "Oh, this this COVID thing isn't two weeks; it's like two years, and it's not going to be good." And the station had just been bought from somebody uh, by somebody else, and. I just did not last like three weeks into the COVID thing or the new ownership. I really don't know what it was because nobody told me, but that was that. And I had kind of worried about new ownership. So I started with my producer, Brad Binkley. We started to do a daily show anyway. That was just on the weekends. And we started to do a daily show uh, where we just hit the news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty and justice. And we've been doing that for the past, ever since that, even before then, so two and a half, three years almost. And then recently, I decided I wanted to, um, because that was just hitting like ten stories a day. I decided I wanted to get back to kind of the deeper dive stuff. And uh, so I, I just started a little spinoff called Deep Dives with Monica Perez, which you can find at the Propaganda Report podcast feed or theproperreport.com and I just try to dig into the stories because like one thing that I really hit when I was on the radio in 2014 was this Ukraine thing like as soon as you got the Victoria Newland tapes and the Catherine Ashton stuff with the snipers (laughs) shooting people on both sides I mean I'm assuming that your listeners know all this stuff. But I I just those are the kind of deep dives that I thought all people have to do is really be aware of these facts and the evidence and that there's a lot of stuff that counters the official narrative. But you would never hear it from left or right, Fox or CNN. And uh, so I've decided to just kind of dig back into that stuff because I was fully prepared for what happened on February 24th. I actually didn't think it was going to start the bombing, but um, I did know that that they were provoking Russia was totally out of line because I knew the backstory. So I try to get it dig a little deeper. It's all open source, but the mainstream media will not hit it. And all it takes is just one person to go through all, you know, go through what is out there and you can find the truth. And I know you know that.
0: Yeah, literally two days ago, you just started your deep dive project i I consume uh your content on rockfin because i'm a rockfin creator so i automatically get a free subscription and for those who who aren't you know go ahead please subscribe to uh rockfin and uh, i was going to say um it's crazy how you got run out of the radio station and it's not just limited to, to radio it's in many places i used to teach uh, at the top university here in Mexico, in high school, and you know, for uh, for a few semesters, they didn't give me any classes uh, in the international relations department because I was talking about this kind of stuff that that, that you're talking about, and so you're censored uh, everywhere. And I also never wanted to do podcasting, and now uh, radio, um, it's just when when you want to know how the world works, when you want to know what the truth is, this is just kind of where where, where you end up, and in academia few people were interested in, in in truth uh they just um it's very censored we had al gore come to the campus a few years ago and he demanded 200 grand you know the school paid him 200 grand and no one could ask him a question they had to all be scripted uh ahead of time I mean, i i've given up on academia and university it's just um it's all just controlled there's no real scientific inquiry, inquiry there and and interest in truth. But I wanted to ask you about being able to leave the nine to five in, in one sense, you know, the traditional nine to five and doing what you really want to do. And in our case, that's that po- that's podcasting. You know, how has that been for you? And, and on one hand, it's great being able to do it. There's a lot of people struggling, trying, trying to make that happen. You know, what, what are your thoughts there?
1: Well, I think it is it is a little bit of an addiction because the way I even got the scales to fall off my eyes, it was not intentional. Like I I realized there was something wrong with the government. I mean, I always was a libertarian, but I just I gave up on the experiment. And then I found Brothbard and Hoppe. And similarly, when I was so that's as far as I got when I until I was on the radio. And then I did have. To do a show, I think it was the Boston Marathon bombing. Yeah. And I had to, I had to do so much research. I had to really figure out the truth that I only really became fully aware of what was going on because I was on the radio and because I just found myself having the integrity of a journalist, even though I wonder if I was a novelty act for them, but I really brought it and a lot of other people, they just had it much easier because they could regurgitate the Wall Street Journal and nobody was going to push back on that. You don't have to you don't have to prove the truth. If you're just citing the Wall Street Journal, it's just kind of like a win win for you and it's a win win for the narrative. But then I started to look into it and now It's I just cannot let go some of the stuff that just seems like obvious BS out there and I'll dig and dig and dig and it is possible, but it's also a tremendous amount of work because like as a podcaster, I don't really, like my partner does the production and I do, we all do, we both do our own research. So you have to have the time. And I actually think it's kind of like old school gentlemen scholars back in the day. So obviously you give up on academia. That's completely, I mean, unless you're masterful at promoting the existing paradigm, there's absolutely no place for you there. And uh, and there's no thought leadership or anything, but it feels like the only people who can really do the real stuff, which is podcasting and that kind of thing are people who like me, like I'm a mom and I wanted to be in my house to work. I wasn't ready to go out to work, so I had the time. Even the radio show, I did most of the work at home. That you have to be somebody who... I mean, in the day, it was people who were rich enough to stay home and be a gentleman scholar. Now, I feel like it's just maybe people who are taking care of... You can work from home anyway, or maybe live in the boonies, homesteading, something like that. But you really have to have a lifestyle where you... Your income would be hit or miss for sure. But it is, it does, it feels like it's a calling and that there's good to, there's a real purpose to it. It gives you value in what you're doing.
0: And sometimes it's actually more work than the nine to five. And, and, and as you say, like I, I do my geopolitics and empire podcast and then I do TNT. And it's like this morning I was interviewing a Swiss politician and journalist. And, I, and he had two books I had to like run through. Uh, and then, you know, you, I was staying. I, I think I went to bed at like 2 a.m. and I get up like in, in the morning and it's like you're like a zombie. And then I'm trying to get because you have to prepare good questions, you know, and then and then for my TNT guests like yourself, I have to go, you know, go to your pages, look at the, the work that you're doing. Um, and it's 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 a lot of work but as you say it's it's like it's a blend it's it doesn't feel like work because you're just so passionate about doing what you're doing i'm your host hervey morich on radio.live and we've been talking to Ma- monica perez of the propaganda report you can find at the propreport.com. they're also on rock rockfin and other places uh speaking of rockfin you know there's still some platforms like like rockfin which Uh, They don't allow you to change the speed of the video and audio. I consume everything on double speed. uh, Or even on your website, I saw you use megaphone and you cannot... uh, change uh, the speed. Uh, I mean, do you consume stuff at, at one time to speed or do you ever?
1: No, fast, I taught uh, people how to People are like, I didn't even know you could do that. Oh, I'll do two times. That's why it's really annoying when there used to be presidential debates and stuff like that, because you'd want to tweet it in real time, like to be able to communicate with people. But it's unbearable listening to that stuff at regular time. I always have to do it at double speed. It's really it, it's just unbearable. And actually, I always had a problem even when I was a kid. It's crazy. I had a real problem listening to the State of the Union address or when the presidents would speak. And I remember my mother, who's a real old fashioned Brooklynite, would say, that's it's because you can't stand the lying. You just can't stand being lied to. So it's really hard for me to listen to it, especially now that the two times speed is is an option. I, I try to talk fast, but people still listen to me a little bit, speed it up sometimes.
0: Yeah, and people tell me in real life that I, I talk too fast sometimes when I'm talking. And I'm like, they're like, relax, you're tense or something. It's, I'm not tense because I'm just processing information so fast because I'm listening to stuff on double speed. And so then when I, I start almost like talking on, on, on double speed and it was great, TNT radio, um, a while back didn't have that option, and I mentioned it to, to Mike, and then I found soon after you can do that on TNT Radio now, you can uh, stream uh, in double speed. And I wanted to ask you, I'm sure you, you've touched on this as well, uh, the creation now uh, of the Ministry of, of Truth, the Disinformation Governance Board, um, and all of this censorship and deplatforming that's going on now. For, for me, it's a big topic, because I'm mean i I'm experiencing it, a lot of people are experiencing it, but it's just a sign of the times. like it's a big red flag that that we're, we're going into the a totalitarianism um and you know get your thoughts on on the censorship and deplatforming. I was I lost Patreon a year ago um and just as the Ministry of Truth was created like two weeks ago that same week I was taken off of PayPal with Mint Press and Consortium News and yesterday Spotify started taking down individual podcast episodes of mine what are your thoughts on this you know Ministry of Truth and what it portends for the future of America
1: I, I've been a victim of it myself, and I've seen the signs coming. I remember I wrote an a, a blog post, which you can't find now, and I'll tell you why. In 2016, it was before the election where Trump beat Hillary. And everybody, I mean, I think everybody thought Hillary was going to win. So I thought that the article I was writing about was her, but it ended up being about Trump. And it, I should have known because Melania played a role in it, and it was called Teeing It Up for the Censorship President. And there were in one Wall Street Journal, there was Obama, Melania, and um, there was another guy, famous guy, all of which all these different articles were talking about how people are too stupid to curate the news themselves and it needs to be curated for them. They didn't say it like that, but I mean, they said you can't really trust just real raw news to be out there. And in Melania's case, she was complaining about bullying online. And I said, all of this stuff is about making sure that the raw material does not get to anybody's ears. And it didn't matter to me. I didn't, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but I was really good at, like I was saying, that open source journalism—it was I could just I could do it, and I could consume a lot. That's really a, a value that probably you have and I share. Is just I can just consume a lot of data material, and I can if it was out there, I would find it. I was getting good at searching everything. And on February fourteenth, twenty eighteen, which was this Parkland event where the official story is this guy Nicholas Cruz killed a bunch of people at a. Mallory, whatever, Douglas, Marjorie Douglas High School in Florida. There's a lot of fishy stuff in that story, too. But I could not find in that story that day. I had a show that weekend. I couldn't find the truth online. Like I I was looking for all the firsthand videos and all the stuff where I pieced together the real story. And it was just like that day. I, I said that day. I was like, oh, this is the day the Internet shut down. And actually, the show I did that Saturday which was on the radio on terrestrial radio I always posted them to YouTube it was taken down from YouTube that day so then as things progressed I didn't I didn't even see how bad it was going to get but my bosses at WSB were like hey that's great like you can make an ad that says banned from YouTube and you know free to roam on WSB I was like that's great thank you and then it started getting worse so that in August so 6 months later I was baited into losing my WordPress site. So I I'm not hugely confrontational and I'm not looking for trouble. I don't like to be rude to people. But WordPress sent me an email that said, you have some pictures of a victim of a school shooting. I I mean, if you're not worried at all about getting taken down, I will say the words. But if I say the words, the show will get taken off of Spotify, probably. So there was a school shooting that uh, that's famous that Alex Jones had problems with and called it a hoax. that. I never called (laughs) it that. Yeah, I never called it that. But I but I did identify that there was a picture from the event that happened here in the States. That was that exact picture was being held up by a mother in Pakistan after they had a similar event. And that picture had a name. It was supposed to be a Pakistani kid. And the BBC was reporting that. So I just wrote a post and literally I didn't want to write anything on it because I just didn't want to wade into that. And it was that wasn't like a, one of the things that I really dug into too much. But I said just that my post said, this is crazy. And it showed the two pictures side by side. One was a BBC article. And one was like a Wall Street Journal article. And I laid out, like, there's this is something weird. Like, I don't know what they're doing, if they're testing media to see it, how quickly disinformation is identified. Like, I knew it was some kind of test, <laughs> but I didn't realize that I had it was a trap and I had fallen for it completely. So they wrote to me and said, You have a picture up there that the father of that kid asserts the right to that picture and says you have to take it down. So I said, All right. And I took it down. But I had a, several pictures in that post. And they then wrote to me and they said there's another picture. And he wants to take it down. But it actually says an email I got from WordPress, it actually says, We believe that you have a fair use right to this, which I agreed. And I was a lawyer. So I mean, not I went to law school, I passed the bar. I'm not, not a practicing lawyer, but I know, knew enough to understand that you can do that, especially BBC was using it and it they didn't own it. So they said, We think it's fair use. And also, We have fought for our publishers before and won. And here's the case where something just like yours, we won. And I was like, okay, I'll just leave it up. (laughs) And then like a week later, they didn't take the picture down. They took my entire website down, which was seven years of work. And I'm not like super great at that. Like It takes me a lot of times, like format. And I had... So someone said to me, like, you're, you're going to be able to find like the XLM file or whatever it's called, like with with it, all your stuff's going to be in there somewhere. And they did give me a week to pull it out, but it was unformatted and everything. And all the links were dead and all the media was gone. And of course, the gold of, of that kind of research is the links is this, st- mm-hmm. although a lot of them are for afford by now anyway, but they took all my life's work down and I really never recovered. I never blogged again or anything. It's just it was too disheartening. But I saw that six month period where everything was taken down. And now, like, I never really rarely post to YouTube. I rarely post to Facebook. I had a lot of problems there. Um, I'm amazed. Rumble's pretty good. Rockfin, obviously. Patreon, I don't know when that's coming. Spotify takes down some of my shows. I'm amazed that I have never been banned from Twitter because I say whatever I want on Twitter, but I'm very, I, I just am not like a super combative person. It seems like, to Get taken down from Twitter, you have to say something mean. At least that's the way it is right now. I think. I don't know. No, I guess people say stuff that they consider missing disinformation. I haven't had a problem there yet. I almost wonder if they leave me up to discredit me. To so be like, well, look, like she's on Twitter still, so she must she must uh whatever be an inside job. But anyway, we'll see what happens
0: there. I'm guessing your site it was WordPress.com. Like yeah. it wasn't a self, it wasn't a self hosted WordPress installation. Well, it was- it was WordPress
1: it was the Monica Perez show.com because you can like pay a little extra to just not have the WordPress handle. so I own right. URL and it was, but but it was, it was WordPress the company. So now I have a site it's Monica Perez show.com. And I also have the propertyport.com and they are like based on that WordPress platform, but it's not WordPress the company. And it was annoying because I had paid them whatever for a business site. Like I paid them extra and they, and, and I could have, I I was thinking about it. There's you're not you don't live here, but grocery stores and said oftentimes they'll have people outside like soliciting for a foundation or political cause. And the and the grocery store will say, don't uh, we don't support these people, but we're not allowed to throw them off. And I was like, they're not allowed to throw them off, but I'm allowed to be thrown off from like basically a public thing whose essence is speech and like Twitter and Facebook, who are basically the replacements of the town square. And I looked into those laws and it seems like if you are going to use government protections of any kind, like feel the right to call the cops or anything, then you are a public place, I guess, Um, something like that. And I So I looked at it was like, well, Twitter and Facebook and stuff, they depend on the government for their copyrights, for their patents, maybe their platform itself and, um, you know, where it gets based, where the U.S. government was in control of the kind of I forget what you call it, the the Internet platform. And I thought they really if you fought it and they were fair about it, they would have to say that this is public and you're uh, you're allowed free speech. And then to go further than that, now that they've they've closed off our avenue to actually assemble and engage in free speech, whether it's through lockdown or the January 6th PSYOP or whatever it is that they're trying to shut down assembly as well, then these things are really the de facto town square. And I feel like it's, it shouldn't hold up in a court of law to be able to kick people off for saying things What really whatever they want. I mean, I don't need, I actually as a libertarian, I even object to the idea that you can't cry fire in a a crowded theater because we have tort laws. So if you did that and someone got hurt, you would be responsible for that. And that's a deterrent. That's why we don't have a lot of like a priori laws here. We like common law and precedent and stuff where if you do something wrong, you're held accountable rather than what's called prior restraint. Like you can't say that in case somebody gets hurt. It's like, no, you could say it then you're responsible and that i love that because i think that's effective and it maximizes liberty but they don't apply that to speech here
0: right i uh, you know talking about the how we should treat these so-called private big tech companies i I agree with you they 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 are like public now the public square and i always think about people use that argument oh it's private but wait i believe facebook was darpa's lifelog project uh, and, and in any case pentagon seed funded in the cia seed funded google and, and facebook so um when i was young I, I was working in the us when i was living in the us so some of my taxpayer money probably went to the pentagon who then used it to create facebook and 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 google and and who, who knows what else and so and i view it that way as no that this is government stuff and in any case it's still linked to the government but it's it's fascism the way they're they're doing it uh these days and uh, also, Instagram, as you mentioned, you know, during the pandemic, I, I was living in Kazakhstan, I started using Instagram. And I, I, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's addictive, you know, they, they really, I, they really know how to socially engineer you. And I was having fun with it. But then as soon as we, I, you know, we get censored. Uh, and then uh, because I have my podcast, I kind of felt like there's a danger of being too open about my life. And so I just and starting to get all of this, these attacks. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to stop using uh, Instagram. And I, just like you said, I, I don't really use Facebook anymore or, or Instagram or none of this stuff. Um, and uh, I wanted to ask you about there's a lot of stuff we can talk about, but I wanted to ask you kind of like given everything that's going on in current events, uh, domestically in America, abroad, you know, Ukraine, What what's kind of bugging you the most concerning you, freaking you out?
1: <laughs> well, I guess I I'm a very big picture person, so I see like it's like the COVID, Ukraine, climate change continuum. I feel like I look at those events and they're they're like mass trauma events. They're trying to use all of those to uh, execute the same general plans And I know it's kind of getting old to talk about the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, but you were saying fascism. Not for me.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I mean it's really
1: that's what it is. Maybe they want us to just get exhausted by it because there's nothing we can, you know, feel like there's nothing we can do about it. Just get used to the idea. But it is this um, fascism. I call it the backdoor fascism, where now the companies are leading the charge in modeling policy and then demanding that the government require it, which of course will uh, make any competitors not be able to compete in any industry without having this political profile that promotes this kind of globalism. But I try to, you know, what really, I'm not even sure it matters what the very big picture is anymore, because what I used to say on the radio, people wouldn't are not ready for like any kind of <laughs> false flag or truthiness or anything. And I would say, hey, you don't have to believe my conclusions about this news event, but understand that when they tell you to, to go against your own principles and get involved in Syria, who's not a risk to us. Now, don't believe what they're saying. Don't you can't verify if somebody did something to sweet little babies over there? You can't verify that. I can pretty much show you if you want that it was the rebels who had the chemical weapons. Like, I can show you the footage, you'll be able to see, but you don't want to see it. That's fine. But don't advocate for the side that the mainstream media is pushing because you're not verifying that because it can't be verified because it's not true. But just make sure that they don't go in and then use your tax dollars to bomb innocent people, even though your values would be against it. So I don't care if you believe the propaganda or not. Just don't allow it to violate your principles. So I guess I could look at it all this way, but it looks like people in the face of fear like this, they 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 allow their principles to be violated. They will not take a stand. They won't have the courage of their convictions. So now I'm back to thinking about super big picture stuff. And if you have to fight the power at the, you know, is it at the highest levels? I really don't know, but it makes me want to think about where where the kind of power continuum, is there a ceiling there? Are there two sides or is there only one side? And when I look at this you know, COVID, Ukraine, climate change continuum. The COVID thing seems to you know everybody in the world kind of went along with that. China clearly went along with that. They were sitting there at Event Two Hundred One, although Russia wasn't, but Russia went seemed to go along with it too. The other stuff though, Ukraine and climate change, I start to wonder if what's going on is. And tell me what you think. I'm really curious to know what you think about this. Is that Fossil fuels are such the essential engine of the world. And if maybe there are still two sides. Maybe there are still two sides in world power. Maybe it isn't just one giant cabal that's just trying to figure out how to beat us all into submission. I mean, maybe the other side, whether it's good guys or bad guys, they're just other guys. And this is my idea is that if the West really could not conquer the entire, it could not monopolize oil. And I think... John D. Rockefeller was trying to do it. And I almost wonder if that's why they took the czar out because they thought he actually could have put up a fight with the resources. And that 100 years later, they're still trying to get control of the resources, the natural resources that live under that Eurasian world island. And we just gave up on it. So we said, all right, if we can't control the fossil fuels, we need to get rid of them and we can or at least have half of the world that doesn't rely on them by Brainwashing them into thinking they're bad. And that and COVID locks you down, you zoom, you don't go on airplanes, you know, that. And then you've got the Ukraine thing, which is like, oh, don't use oil, don't use his oil. And then there's the climate change, where it's just like, don't use any of that stuff at all, even if we all starve to death. Just don't. And so I guess my my thing is like that, it's trying to crack the code on understanding where this battle is being fought is there a battle being fought at the highest levels or do i just need to start going to church more
0: uh, yeah yeah you know and th- I'm, I'm glad you brought up this topic because on many of my podcasts and interviews this is one of the key things that's bugging me COVID 1984 um the great resets uh, you know world government which is all taking place you know on the battlefields of ukraine and the whole climate change thing but going back to what you were talking about I'm on the fence. I've been uh, because we've got information where at times we see all governments comply and then you think, you know, it's it's, it's the Great Reset. It's this global government. I've talked to people like Michael Recktenwald, who thinks all governments are uh, working together. Uh, um, I think I was one of the first recently to interview Riley Wagaman, who's out in uh, Moscow. He writes for the popular Edward Slavsquat Substack. Um, and he, he detailed how Russia was going full COVID-1984 with the QR codes and vaccine passports and all of that. And so at times, we see, there's this evidence. Then, at, as, you, as you outlined, at other times, we see uh, th- them fighting against each other. So it's really hard to tell. Um, tomorrow I'm having on TNT Matt Ert. A lot of people know him from Canada. Uh, he's very much of the opinion uh, that China and Russia are pushing back against the, the NWO. I guess m- my view as a Bible-believing Christian, uh, you know, in the prophecy and all of that, is that world government is inevitable. A- at some point it will come to be, which then implies that all governments will be working together in this world government. But when it comes, it will be a very fragile construct that i don't think will last long uh, at all which sort of kind of explains w- what you were talking about that we have these two opposing sides right now that are struggling for world domination and it's just so hard to obtain the scale i think of of a planetary governments um and and my biggest big concern is this global digital dystopia where all of our uh, nations 194 or whatever are implementing these controls where it's like the beast system you can't buy or sell like literally i was paypal was one of my main things for i was paying my 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 home uh utilities some of them in in paypal and uh and i was getting funds for my podcast in paypal and now i can't buy or sell and i don't know if you what are your thoughts uh further thoughts on the great reset and all of this
1: well people get so mad at me this really stinks because i There, it's like i i don't know uh, there's no one basket I can fit into. I've always been a like a little bit of a skeptic about Bitcoin. Not that I I, I mean, obviously, people have made a lot, a lot of money in Bitcoin. But I always wondered why it was a libertarian thing, since it seemed to me to be a stepping stone to a cashless society. And I know they say that, well, it's, you know, it's totally anonymous i'm not sure about that but it just seemed like a stepping stone to a cashless society and i think it's hard to deny that that's exactly the purpose it's ending up serving and that the probably the biggest thing that they're lo- looking at in this digitized world is the central bank digital currencies. And i and i think that when you look at the u.s debt as 30 trillion dollars it's 30 trillion dollars and it goes up every year it's never going backwards and i was just like well as long as they keep interest rates at zero we'll be okay <laughs> <You know? laughs> but that's not where we are and that's definitely not where we're going so that's a problem and i what i used to say was that it was a it was a problem that cannot be solved within the existing paradigm there's just that's never getting paid back and if there's interest it's going to we're really going to go hungry. And if you lose the dollar, all the dollars from the world are going to come f- rushing back to the US. And then we'll have hyperinflation. We won't be able to import anything. It'll be a real third worlding of the US for sure. Like, that's a, I-, I think that's an actual risk. And I think that's when they'll just, I mean, I don't even think they need to go that far, honestly. Like, I think in Sweden, for example, didn't, and that was a very cash, um, you know, they really used cash in that society and they just switched to like not cash, you know, and people freaked out a little bit like they were uncomfortable with it, but I guess it's more of a conforming society. I don't know what it would take to get us there, but they're clearly doing that and turning off everything. And and it is true that like the entire world is getting behind that. And that is the one thing, now that you mentioned it, that does worry me in that if... At what point can you no longer mount a resistance? I think we're kind of there, you know, and I feel like I I feel like even even to the extent that things that could have mounted like the Oath Keepers. I remember talking about the Oath Keepers a long time ago. I never knew whether they were legit or not legit, but I knew that a lot of people joined it who were totally like good people who took uh, in their job, had to take an oath to the Constitution and when they went to Oath Keepers, they just said, I'm going to keep that oath. No one's going to get me to break that oath. And what they did there was they got everybody who felt that way. And now they're all on registry. right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. they know who they're talking about. So it feels like resistance is futile because if you actually got it going, it would get undermined. And if you were trying to do it underground, they can hear everything you say because now they've pushed all of the public square into the digiverse. But the, my only hope, really, in, when you get to that, like meta, a level, is that there is a God. Because if there is a God, then it doesn't matter and it is part of the plan or whatever. Um, I guess you could also say if there isn't a God, it really doesn't matter. So you might as well just piss away everything on caviar and champagne and hope to die young. You, know? <laughs> like, you could do it that way. But I do... I do all, the, like the one thing that I guess I, I haven't really dug into I'm a practicing Catholic, but I, I'm always like, kind of, I don't know if, you know, I'm going to be able to remember my name after I'm dead. Like that's just a hard thing for me to get my mind around. And I, and Pope Frank, like, I really feel like he drinks baby's blood. So I'm not really mm-hmm. hanging my <laughs> like uh, star on him, but it's kind of freaky that there are two popes, right? I mean, that's weird.
0: Yeah, I haven't gotten into that, the two Pope thing that people tell me about it. I mean, there's just so many things going on. But I want to comment on what you said that I, I'm a, of the opinion, uh, as you are, I've been saying that Bitcoin is a globalist Trojan horse, uh, that um, it's it's meant to bridge us into the cashless society. Because I, I always say, like, we've, we've been using the analog physical uh system right cash and all of that And if if they just came along one day the authorities and said hey we're gonna we're gonna go to digital everyone's gonna be like no what are you talking about you're crazy that's gonna be like totalitarian but if you wet people's appetites you know you as you said a lot of people made money with um crypto Bitcoin where you you name it that then bridges brings us into uh, the CBDC world and I'm wondering if Bitcoin because it's dropping uh the price of it right now insanely that if it's like run its course now they're ready to ready it's 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 they've done what they needed to do with Bitcoin they're going to kill it now and it's going to bring us into the CBDC world and there's a lot of people that I really respect that I've had on that are real believers in, in Bitcoin who knows maybe we'll be wrong but I've talked to Cypherpunk Paul Rosenberg uh Mark Yeftovich here on TNT even Jay Dyer who they, they believe in Bitcoin maybe we'll be proven wrong but I feel like it's really going to bring us into this uh, Cassius system, which uh, is some people call, refer to as the algorithm ghetto, where if you don't behave, um, you're going to be unplugged and literally starved to death um, in your home. And you mentioned, you know, the it's, it's crazy, the stuff we've seen, Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes. There's that guy, I forget his name, from Proud Boys uh, that was like an FBI informant. Mario. It's all... Yeah, I guess it's all just so suspicious now. And it's like they're they're involved. The feds are just false flagging everything. For me, it's like false flag exp- explains everything that's going on. COVID, false flag, nine yes. eleven. It's just Everything's like a false flag, literally.
1: <laughs> it's all fake. I mean, that's the thing. It's like and the only time I'm ever wrong about anything, and I mean this and I'm wrong is when I don't think it's fake. That's it. Like, I feel like my job, like if I were good at my job, it would be to be the one person who can tell the 10% of stuff that they have to tell you about that isn't fake and they have to tell you about it because otherwise you would know, like, I can't believe most people believe in media. Like, most people believe in it. It's unbelievable to me. But But they believe in it because that 10% of stuff that's true that's in there that they have to say against their own interests convinces people that the media is real. And that's the 10% that if you could really discern that and then realize, okay this 90% is fake, but that one is real because it's when I think something's real and it's not that I kind of get just like with Putin, I was like, hey, I mean, I remember the coup in 2014. He's driving bombs. He's completely justified. And they're like, what about Sputnik V? You know, I'm like, I know, I know the COVID thing, but Uh, And um, I think I just want to say about the Bitcoin, I think what they all they would really need to do to get everybody on board with it, who would have resisted the people who really understand it are the people who are heavily invested in Bitcoin. So you get the you crash it. And then if the Fed comes in, because I've been wondering how the Fed would transition from Bitcoin into the CBDC and I, I think they will incorporate Bitcoin into it. What if they crash it so much, people are really sitting on it who are like 1929 type, jump off the roof, broke from this, and then they offer them a good price for it. Then you'd get them to advocate for that. Or they'd say, well, we have to do it because we lost all this money and blah, blah, blah. You know, it was a taking know what I mean? Like, I just I think it's a setup and, and maybe the fact that it's crashing is a way to get the price down so that when they come in to bail it out, it it will be so rich.
0: What do we do? Like, how do we prepare? <laughs> I, I'm of the mind that like it's basically it's like as a Christian, it's like, of course, we keep doing what we're doing, resisting fighting. But I'm like, at some point, it was just things all is lost and it's like brace for impact. For me, it's like, you know, God, the gospel, guns, gold, goats, getaway uh, location. Uh, what are your thoughts going forward? Uh,
1: OK, so just two quick things. We will come through it. I mean, I'm not crazy about things that modify DNA and RNA, but I'm sure of that, like we will come through it. They This humanity, I do think, has that divine spark. I think that we are destined to survive it. And I also think, and you're in a position to do this better than I am because of all the people you talk to. I don't think there's anything new under the sun. And I don't think anything that these guys are doing right now came out of their own head. I think there is a pattern for it. They have all, every individual idea that you can, every individual thing that's happening right now, I think you can go find a pattern for it. What you need to do is, Find somebody, find a historian, find people or a bunch of different people and piece it together of what pattern from history this is following, because I think the answer and the hope will be in recognizing that pattern and seeing what works and does not work.
0: We've got a, a couple of minutes left, and I, I don't want to run out of time before asking you, you know, where are the best places for people to find you, uh, your work websites, and you know, what, what projects are, are, are you working on?
1: Thank you so much for asking. So thepropreport.com has basically all my shows with Binkley. We have, I mean, we're up to, I think, like uh, almost a thousand episodes. So there's tons and tons of stuff. It was news of the day. Um, We have some deep dives. What we do on rockfin.com slash propaganda report are deep dives live. So he will go through all these like Zoom calls and stuff that the CFR does and Brookings does and the World Economic Forum and World Health Organization. They just talk to each other pretty openly with their CIA agents, like literally CIA agents. So he'll pull clips just to make me crazy and trigger me. So our Rockvin stuff is extra fun. And there's a Patreon.com slash PropagandaReport, PropagandaReport.Locals.com. But mostly you can find me if you want to talk to me on Twitter at Monica Perez Show or in a, your favorite podcasting feed under the propaganda report.
0: I'm not sure if I should trust you since you're still on Patreon. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
1: I actually uh I am surprised about that. And I've been kind of exiting from that because so I you know, maybe someday I'll put some like premium thing on my website. But I just I'm preparing. I am bracing for impact, as you say.
0: We got I think about two minutes left or a little bit less. Do you think uh, the U.S. is going to have a second civil war?
1: I think they want us to. I think they're getting us there. I almost wonder if it'll be like a cold civil war that they'll bring us to the brink and actually want us to secede. One of those clips that Binkley brought me on the Rockfin was a guy named Stephen Marsh, who wrote a book called The Next Civil War. And it was about how January Six polarized the country and they were fighting tooth and nail. And then and I thought his punchline was going to be after the bloodshed. They threw away the Constitution and started over. And he said Seems like the best solution would be secession for some of those Southerners and stuff. So I I would say you'd get secession before you'll get like a a real prolonged, hot civil war.
0: I guess one more thing, the economy, you think it's going to tank like a Great Depression style or or what?
1: I feel 70s stagflation is what we're going to have. High unemployment. This idea of a labor shortage is just absolutely fabricated. I mean, it might be happening, but it's not going to last. And then the inflation is inevitable. I mean, they did everything they could to pump it up and they've got it. They've got their de facto $15 minimum wage. Well, everything is in place for inflation and high unemployment, 70s style.
0: It's interesting. The president of El Salvador, Nayib Bukele, tweeted recently, Engineered engineer supply chain disruptions. The enemy is inside the gates, not outside. It's been a great chat, uh, Monica. Everyone, visit thepropreport.com and we'll be back after the news break uh, here on TNT Radio.